And first, a quick word from our podcast sponsor. FactSet delivers superior data, analytics, and flexible technology to help more than 170,000 users see and seize opportunities sooner. For over 40 years, we have given investment professionals the edge to outperform with informed insights, workflow solutions across the portfolio lifecycle, and industry-leading support from dedicated specialists. Through market changes and technological progress, we're proud to have been recognized with multiple awards for our analytical and data-driven solutions, while staying connected to our clients and each other. Learn more at www.factset.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Deborah Kidd with CFA Institute. Welcome back to the Sustainability Story Podcast, where we tackle sustainability challenges one episode at a time. Today's episode marks the relaunch of the podcast series. In this episode, we discuss the importance of understanding that climate risk is financial risk and why a systems approach is needed to address it. Please join my colleague, CFA Institute Managing Director Paul Andrews, as he talks with Mindy Luber, President and CEO of Ceres. I hope you enjoy their conversation. My name is Paul Andrews, and I am the Managing Director for Research, Advocacy, and Standards at CFA Institute. And today I'm joined by uh, the President and CEO, Mindy Luber, of, of Ceres. And I'm very, very happy to, to have a conversation with Mindy today because we're going to be talking about some of the climate challenges and net zero challenges that we're all facing in the investment industry. And, and Mindy's been at the forefront of this discussion for, for a number of years, and I'm, and I'm really excited to, to have this chance to talk with her. So, Mindy, welcome, and thanks for, for being part of the discussion today. Paul, thank you. And I do want to say... So much of this discussion sometimes falls with scientists, with policymakers, with environmentalists. Having the CFA Institute, having analysts and financial leaders as much part of the debate as any other sector um, is crucial. So I couldn't be more delighted to be talking with you. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I wonder if we could start uh, just for, for our listeners and viewers that aren't familiar with series. Maybe just a couple of words about the company and what you're doing and, and what its sort of raison d'etre is. Well, we've got a little tagline, doesn't everybody, and that's integrate sustainability into capital markets. Well, bunch of words there. But truly, our job is to make the case that whether it's climate change or water shortages or, frankly, a number of social issues, that they have economic implications as great as any others. And they need to be part of the financial framework. Companies need to be acting on them and thinking about them. Investors do. Because they have a financial implication. If we ignore climate change, we're ignoring hundreds of billions of dollars in losses. So let's not think about that as an environmental issue. Think about that as a markets issue. And that's what Ceres does. We develop intellectual capital on why climate change is as much a financial issue as it is a political one. We work with hundreds of companies to help them set goals from the boardroom to the supply chain on how they could be more sustainability focused and what kind of goals their sector might have. We work with 700 global investors on how they're thinking about climate risk and what companies are in their portfolios and how they learn more about how to analyze the risks the companies they invest in. So our job is to take what 
years ago were considered environmental issues and really make them economic issues because they are, not because it's a clever thing to do, but because they are. It's interesting. And, and, and you know, I, I want to ask you something about uh, along these lines around a TED Talk that you did that I watched uh, recently. And, and it was both encouraging and frightening at the same time, because one of the things you, you mentioned is that uh, globally, the top 100 companies are responsible for 80% of the emissions and, and challenges uh, or uh, issues around climate change. And I'm wondering how how do we galvanize that 100 that set of 100 companies to act in more in a unified way to to really help us get to where we need to be? No, and that's exactly the right question. I mean, you started your question with this is both frightening and it's an exciting opportunity, and that is the situation we're in. If we don't address climate the implications are indeed frightening from an economic perspective, a societal perspective from the future we're building for our kids. And so we really have to do it. And we've got to look at where are the problems and what are the solutions? If 100 largest, and we've grown that number to 165 companies that are making the greatest emissions globally, we've got to make sure we're doing everything we can to move those companies. And so there are consumer groups urging those companies to move. There are employees and future employees who are considering, do they want to work for those companies in a much more organized way? For us, there are 700 global investors who are looking at and studying the risk that those companies create, and they're engaging with those companies. They are asking those companies to act, change what they do, build programs, put in emissions uh, reduction goals, and some of the investors who get frustrated um, are filing shareholder resolutions going straight to the boards of those companies because they see it as a risk that the companies in their portfolios must be addressing. It really comes down to what is the job of a large investor but to mitigate risk or to invest in companies who have less risk. So investors are as much part of this as advocates, uh, as are companies, uh, and being focused on getting change and getting change sooner rather than later is key. You know, I'm really glad you brought that up because I have a premise. And my premise is that there are really four pillars of success, one of which is investors, one of which is the investment community, one of which is the corporates, and of course, perhaps the biggest of all are governments and authorities that have policy-making uh, power, if you will. How do we bring those four together in an even more forceful way than, than, we've, than we have before. Well, it is crucial that we do that because we're not going to solve the problem without changes in policy, budgets of governments. And that will happen if there is more of a unified voice. The recent debate on the Inflation Reduction Act in the United States, an act that put out and passed $369 billion in resources to going to help solve the climate crisis, that was supported not only by the advocacy community, the policy communities, the scientific community, but the companies and investors we work with, they came with us up to the hill. They liked one part. They may not have liked another part. They negotiated to make sure the changes they wanted. Um, but they stood tall. They were up there with us on every occasion at the White House, in the Congress testifying, 
saying we need those resources to address climate. We could debate this for the rest of our lives. That's not going to change my kids' future or our markets. Acting is what's going to change them. And companies and investors have become more engaged in the policy debate. All of them? Absolutely not. Uh, are we seeing friction at the Securities and Exchange Commission over the mandatory climate risk disclosure rule or draft rule? Absolutely. When there are 16,000 comments on a rule, somebody is finding fault with some part of it. Um, but we've got to work that through. The, uh, the $369 billion that came to pass, that was pretty quick. The president filed it, took a couple of years, and we're there. We don't have 10 years for every single problem. We've got to act quickly, and we've got to act in a way that serves both the environmental community, the social justice community, as well as the economic community. You know, it makes me think, too, uh, uh, when you talk about going on the Hill and what the president did in the United States with the Inflation Reduction Act is is, is one of the concerns I know I have is around the, the politicalization of this issue. And I was fortunate enough to write an article uh, in Barron's recently that, that basically said politicians make bad asset managers. And I'm wondering how, you know, how do we address this polit political side of, of this debate? Because it does seem to be sidetracking us from, from the real substance. Well, it's slowing us down a bit. I'm not going to accept sidetracking just yet, but and that's having an impact, and I think that's all you're saying. The fact that non-believers or individuals or organizations, can I just start that sentence over? Um, it is sidetracking us and slowing things down a bit. The fact of the matter is the politics of hate, the politics of division, the woke capitalism charges that somehow investors ought not to be looking at all the data at their fingertips. That's insanity. It is like telling a medical doctor, don't look at the MRI before you do the surgery, just wing it. Investors want data, they want facts, and telling them to ignore that doesn't mean it can get done and ought to be done. The first job of a corporate board member, of an investor trustee, of a money, of a portfolio manager, is to look at risk and to analyze risk. And if they don't do that, they're gonna make really bad choices. So it's out there without a lot of good science. Why we shouldn't examine all material financial risks um, is an argument some are making. It's a bad argument. I don't believe it's gonna get prevail over the long term, but it is a distraction in the short term. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, you've been very, very generous with your time, but I wonder if I can ask you one final question. Go for it. If you don't mind. It, and it has to do with the series accelerator. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, um, what it is and, and how it's ch helping you change minds and attitudes and, and, and how it's an impetus for change. Sure. So we've got a program or a division, the series accelerator for capital market systems change. And that really is what it's about. We spend a lot of time working with companies, with their boards, with their sectors, as we do with investors. But sometimes we just need to turbocharge that change, and it needs to be done through systems change. Whether it's the SEC, whether it's the Federal Reserve, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, we are commenting on, we are focusing on a dozen federal financial rules 
as well as insurance rules with insurance regulators at the state level, with banking regulators. So what are the systems change? So we're not moving one company or even 25 companies, but we're moving entire parts of the economy. The problems that we're facing demand a pace and a scale quite different. And in the end, everybody wants a level playing field. We want rules of the game that are fair for everybody and that apply to everybody. It ought not just be the leaders that say, I'm going to step up and maybe even spend money to make sure we're addressing climate change. If they do it, everybody else ought to do it. And sometimes the rules of the game just need to change to make sure we have that level playing field. That's a lot of the work of the series accelerator for capital market systems. Thank you. Really, really interesting. And and I'll just close by saying, I mean, it's really been a, a pleasure to, to sit and talk with you uh, today. And I really am grateful and learned a few things during our chat. So, right. so thank you very much. And I look forward to uh, working with you f further in the future. Indeed. The role of analysts, financial players is absolutely crucial. And thank you for all that you're doing. Great. Thank you. Thank you.